Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Vox Poetica's 15 Minutes of Poetry, and I'm Anne-Marie Lockhart. I'm returning to you after a long hiatus um, that will, you know, it, it was all stuff that couldn't be rearranged, so I'm sorry about that. I have missed um, talking to people about their writing and bringing that to you, and now we're back. So, um, And we're back with a great guest, so I'm not going to delay anymore. We're going to go straight to Jim Valvis. Thank you so much for joining me, Jim. Hey, Emery. How are you doing? I'm good. And, um, you know, we talked uh, before the show about you being uh, you're a writer from the West Coast, but you're really from... Jersey, so I want to say particularly, um, very happy to have you here, and I can hear your accent, which makes me feel at home. Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> well, thank, thanks for having me on. Um, you you have a poem to start us off, so let's hear it. I do. It's uh, it's called Nobody's Fool, and it was published in uh, the Southern Indiana Review. Mm-hmm. For a while, I let him live with me. Went to money I didn't have, and when he bolted, he stole my bike. I was as poor as him, maybe more, and we were supposed to be friends, so this betrayal hurt like a gunshot. Some weeks later, I saw him walking down the road, pushing my 10-speed. When he saw me, he hopped on and pedaled off, but I caught up to him on a busy street corner by Bay Avenue. I confronted him, and he grinned, saying he meant to return the bike, but things got crazy and whatnot, and he also had the cash he owed me. If I would just let him take the bike, he'd ride off and get it for me now. I shook my head, knew he was lying like always, but nevertheless said, take the bike, get me my money. Though what I really wanted was my friend back. I waited an hour. As the sun slipped down in the sky, cursing myself, not for believing, but for wanting to believe, not for waiting, but for, wait, but for waiting long after it was clear even to the trees. Still, I stood in the darkening dusk, staring at people with transportation, heading this way and heading that, hands thrust into my empty pockets. Nobody's fool, really, but my own. Mm, that's a great poem. Oh, thank you. That's so nostalgic. Not in a good way. I mean, you know, it sounds, we always think of it as like, oh, you know, trees and fireworks, you know, but the kind of thing that takes you back to a place you really weren't hoping to remember, you know, from your childhood, but we've all been there. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, it's, a lot of my poems uh, deal with, uh, you know, that kind of pain or regret or loss. Yes. And I think that's, you know, one of the things I often refer to you as the most published man in poetry. And um, you have a very prolific uh, record of publications. But one of the things that I find when I read your work, be it fiction or poetry, is that it, it, you're not afraid to delve into that area of uh, pain and loss and regret and even, you know, like the stuff you cringe at, you know, when you remember it. But it's all there in your work, but it's done so well. You you can't help it. You know, the reader gets pulled back to those feelings as well. And I think that you do a really great job of that in your writing. It's very hard to do. 
No, thank you. Um, tell me about your – well, let me ask you a question. When did you first start thinking of yourself as a writer? Uh, you know, probably when I was about six. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I wrote my first short story in the second grade, and I have not really stopped since. And I've never saw seen myself as anything but a writer. Uh, mm. But I wouldn't really say um, I, part of part of what I think makes a writer is really um, you know sticking with it. And I wouldn't say that I really felt like I was a dedicated writer, a, a writer in in practice rather than in theory until I was mm. in my 20s. Hmm. Um, dedication and sticking to it and all that. When when was the first time you were published? When did that happen, that first publication? Uh, was, that was probably in 92, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was, it, was, it was about 20 years ago, a little, a little short of 20 years. So I've been, I've been publishing since, you know, since about two decades. And what did it feel like the first time? Oh, it felt great. It felt great. It felt like, you know, it felt like I was on top of the world. Um, but, yeah. you know, that feeling doesn't last. Pretty soon uh, reality <laughs> sets in and, and you're back to writing the next poem and the next story. And um, you're still the same schmuck you always were. <laughs> <laughs> so when when um, when the, the euphoria wore off and you had to get back down to the work of it again, where did you find the motivation to do that? That's hard for a lot of people. Um, well, you know, the the next the next drive to write something new came. Um, you know, I, I don't think that it it was ever a conscious thought. Well, you know, now I'm published. Um, let me move on to the next thing. It just you, you know, you if you if you like the practice of writing as I do, then you just you want to write the next thing. And um, mm-hmm. and so you know, publication is almost a different science than um, writing. They're almost mm-hmm. they're, they're they're like two different aspects of of the same thing, and they're they're almost separate. Um, and yeah. you, you divorce them in some some degree. That's kind of the other thing I wanted you to talk a little more about because, like I said, you're published a lot, and and it raises two questions for me. One is, well, you must write a lot, a, and so how do you deal with things like writer's block? Does that happen to you? And b, how do you pursue the the publication process, and how separate is it for you from the writing part? Do you write for a specific publication, or do you research those things after the fact? Talk a little bit about what how that works for you. Um, well, yeah, you know, I don't I don't write for a specific publication usually. I mean, if somebody's having mm. a theme, I might I might write for that. Um, but no, I just write and then I try to find a market for it. Uh, I don't I don't uh, I don't sit around and um, fret about um, is this is this going to fit at you know Alaskan Quarterly Review or something. Um, if if it does, great. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, for, what was the first part of the question? Was writer's block? Do you ever experience that? Oh sure. Well, you know, when I quit smoking back in, you know, it was like nineties. It was like two thousand six or whatever. Um, for three years, I couldn't write. Three four years. Wow. And, 
and I, 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 you know, I got to, I was started, I was almost, it was about to turn 40. And I said, wow, you know, if you don't start writing again, you should just give it up. Just stop calling yourself a writer. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, it happens to even the best writers. But I, um, I, at this point, I don't really get writer's block because I've got mm-hmm. so many ways that I can get into a poem. Um, mm-hmm. There, You develop tools after a while if you're, if you're really dedicated to it. And I pretty much write every day. Um, and I would mm-hmm. recommend that if you're not if you're not getting the success or the um, production that you want to get, um, the thing to do is write more, not less. Um, mm-hmm. you, you're not you're not going to become inspired any more than you are now. Today is the right. day to write, not tomorrow, not right. next week. Today, not, not when you turn fifty, when you retire, when the kids are in school. It has to be now. Um, right. And I, you know, I force myself to write. I, I said, you know, I'm just not leaving the desk until I find, until I write something. And yeah. um, a lot of the times, my best stuff has come out that way. Um, I want you to read your second poem that you've selected for today. Okay. This is called the Birth of Eros. You know, Eros is Cupid in the um, mm-hmm. real world. Uh, mm-hmm. The Greek. Uh, the Greeks used to argue about the birth of Eros. Some said he was the child of Zeus, but others said he was born before the gods. For the nature of birth includes love, or at least lust, a coming together of two disparate parts. And so how could Eros be born of parents driven by the toil of himself? And yet it seems to me these Greeks were wrong. The union is not so vital to creation as is separation. The universe starts to condense matter and energy, and it is only the explosion, the Big Bang, that begins the process of stars and Starbucks, comets and candy. The single cell must split before becoming a banana. A cell must lose its cilia before becoming anticilia. And while the child must be carried for three seasons, what is birth but the parting of parent and procreation? So in this ancient debate, I side with those who ascribe the existence of God before the creation even of love, that we start whole and end separate, that when Eros shoots his arrow into a heart, it splits that heart in two. And that one was published by uh, the Atlanta Review. You know, um, so different from the first one that you read, and it's so characteristic of the range of your work that I have seen. Um, what I want to know next is when you have an idea, how do you know it's a poem or it's a short story? Well, I don't. I really don't. I, okay. um, uh, sometimes when I, um, you know, I'll write, a, I'll write a poem and only like, a year after editing it and trying to make it into a poem, do I realize it's a short story? And or I write oh. a short story. <laughs> I'll write a short story and realize, you know what, I got enough here for a novel. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. then I write it as a novel. I've written, mm-hmm. I've written, I've written poems that became novels. I've written, um, I've written novels that became poems. <laughs> That's really disappointing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with poems, but they're considerably less um, financially rewarding. 
Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but uh, when yeah, when uh, how much of your time at the desk say is spent writing or cutting editing? You know, how much of that time do you, you estimate you spend on an edit versus a first write? I I do not edit, Emery. I am perfect every time. Um, <laughs> no, 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 you know it depends. It depends. Editing is a weird science because let me tell you something about editing that might people might find useful. <laughs> I have found that editing will only do so much. If you mm-hmm. write, if you write an okay poem, you can turn it into a, a good poem with some editing. If you write a good poem, you could turn it into a really good poem with some editing. But if you mm-hmm. write a bad poem, you can't turn it into a great poem with editing. Um, so sometimes. <laughs> The best thing to do is to go to the next poem, because if <laughs> if, if you're right, if you've written seventy bad poems, you're never going to turn any of those poems into a great poem. It's better to That's go to true. the next one and write a good poem that you can then edit to a great poem. Um, mm-hmm. So, editing, I, you know, I, I do my share of editing, but I also recognize the fact that it has a limited power to improve a piece that just isn't that good or or for that matter, you know, even improve a great piece because a great piece will be great even if you don't edit it that much. Mm-hmm. That's true too. Are you one of those writers that keeps every word you've written or do you throw out mercilessly like I, I don't keep this draft because it sucks and I'm done with it, throw it in the garbage, trash it, or do you have a file of all those things because you think one day maybe there's a word in that you can use? Amory, I write so much that if I kept every draft of everything I ever wrote, <laughs> literally the the planet would implode in my office. Uh, it would just it would just it would just sink into a black hole of of draft, you know. Um, well, I uh, like no. that though because that's very freeing, and a lot of people are afraid to throw things out. You know, oh my God, there's something there I'm missing now, but I'll find it later. And I think that's important to be able to let go of the stuff that needs yeah, to be let yeah, go. You, have, you know. Yeah, you have to, because you know, you you. If it's a novel, I'll keep the drafts. You know, <laughs> if it's if it's a if it's a short story, I may keep several drafts. Um, but for the most part, uh, you know, I practice a little Zen there and let it go. <laughs> We're almost out of time. I want you to read your last poem for us. Okay, let me see here. Uh, this is a poem called Transformation, and it was published in Confrontation. Mm-hmm. My six-year-old daughter believes in transformation. She's seen the shaggy dog and wants to change into a cat, a horse, a unicorn, or a forest fairy. But the thing she wants to be most of all is a dog. Late at night, she says, while we're all sleeping, she morphs into a dog and runs around town hunting fresh kill and taunting domesticated animals like her mother and myself before changing back to the child we see in the morning, yawning, shivering, angry at the dawn for arriving. No memory at all, she says, of her nightly exploits. Smirking, I ask her how she can possibly know she changes into a dog if she has no memory of her transformation. But logic does not deter her, only labels me forever a cynic, an unbeliever, another old crank in the long history of old cranks who refuses to acknowledge the obvious, the fine hairs on her arm, the flake of dirt under her fingernails, all the evidence that change comes not from fact, 
or even fantasy, but from faith. Yeah, another another classic Jim Valdez poem. Jim, I want to thank you for being with us today, and I want to encourage everyone to um, read his work. Google his name. You'll find a thousand places to find his work. Is there any um, anything you want to share with us about upcoming projects to direct people's attention to, Jim? Uh, yeah, I got, I got a um, book coming out in September called uh, How to Say Goodbye, a poetry book. My first in 20 years, so um, awesome. people would kindly um, buy that. I would I would love them. <laughs> Um, and, <laughs> and I have some poems coming out in Andabo.com too soon, so you will want to check that awesome. out. Awesome. So thank you so much for being. You're going to have to come back because there's too much more to talk about with you for 15 minutes. And um, you know this happens to me a lot on this show. I'm not very good with time. Um, <laughs> thanks again for joining us, everyone. Come back next week and uh, hear some more fun stuff. Don't know who it will be. Don't know what we'll be talking about, but it will involve poetry to some extent. Um, Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening.